Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Welcome back for another episode of this year Penny Bloom Podcast. Tis I, Colton Robertson, and today I am joined, surprise motherfucker, Joseph George. What's up, homie? What's up? Um, glad to be back. Thanks for having me, as always. I am glad that you are here, and this is a special one today. It's the last, uh, last episode in the month of January for our little 52 years through film. Uh, we're talking this this week will be 1974. We have done on January 1st, 1970. And then uh, on every Friday after that, we've done uh, 1971, 72, 73, and now 74 with The Godfather Part 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a good one. This is a good one. I am very excited to talk about it. And it is... One of, if not, our only sequel on the entire list, which uh, I hadn't really considered. Mm. Uh, but I think it is certainly worthy of of being placed there. This is a, it's a long one. It it's is. Correct. Three hours. Straight and 22 up. minutes. At least they gave us that, an intermission this time. True. Uh, it's a 200 <laughs> minute movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. 200 minutes. That's crazy. Here's and so like it's so long that I have I have the movie on DVD now. I it's not all on one DVD. It's a two it's two DVDs. <laughs> Is that why they have the intermission for you to switch DVDs? I think so. Oh, because like God. whenever like whenever the the intermission comes in between, uh, it's like right at the two hour mark, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's exactly that's ex- and like whenever that part ends it says insert disc two um uh, wow that's uh yeah i just have mine totally legally off the internet downloaded uh didn't need yeah. to to change discs but uh whenever well, the intermission popped up i'm like hmm, this would be a very necessary time in the theater to like go to the bathroom like just take a break like it's a three hour <laughs> and 22 minute movie and uh yeah you you I'd say it drags at points. You probably don't need every minute of that. Um, however, I'll say it's uh, just like the first one, well acted, well written, uh, just visually stunning. Like I can't express mm-hmm. enough how beautiful the visuals are in these in both these movies. And uh, and again, the score knocks it out of the fucking park. Let's uh let's lay it down for the peoples here. The Godfather Part Two. It uh let's see here, when did it premiere? Premiered December eighteenth, nineteen seventy four. It's a few months away. It's uh eleven, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written 
by Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo. Uh, and uh, what what else to say? It's it's fucking fantastic. Let's uh let's lay down the uh award stuff here. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at them right now. Uh, won six Oscars, mm-hmm. including Best Picture, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, going to De Niro for playing Vito. Uh, best Director for Francis Ford Coppola, Best Writing and Screenplay for Cop- Coppola and Puzo, Best Art Direction and Set Decoration, Best Music and Original Dramatic Score. It was also nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role for Al Pacino. Cannot believe he did not win. Um, you know, of there was like, I think there were three characters in The Godfather Part Two that were nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Wow. Uh which is pretty incredible. Uh, I think. Of course, uh, we have a Kansas City Film Critics Circle Award uh, for you the best do. director. Naturally. Of course, uh, got it. Got to mention mention that. And there are a few uh, Kansas City name drops in here. Kansas uh, during the Italian um, speaking parts. Just to let everyone know, I didn't have subtitles, so I had to kind of guess what was happening. I thought I heard the word Kansas in there a couple times. I don't know if I did. I don't know uh, that you did either, uh, but it's, okay, it, it might have sounded so like it's, it. it's not in there. <laughs> I, okay. Um, but yeah, so, no uh, name drop in this movie then. The, the man who plays uh, Frankie Pentangeli got nominated for a uh, for supporting actor, and the man who plays Hyman Roth got nominated for best mm. supporting actor. And one person who I cannot mm. believe didn't get nominated for best supporting actor was. Uh, the man who plays Fredo, because that's what I was about to say. He like he, has a very interesting arc in this movie. Like I'd argue, his his is the most interesting arc in the movie. Uh, John Cazale, who, who interestingly enough, died four years after this movie. Uh, hmm. did did not go on to to star in much more much other things, as uh he he was. Didn't have much time left, which is very sad. But uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. I'll say, off rip. I'm coming into this. You know, we're 50 years removed from The Godfather. Mm-hmm. 48 removed from this here, The Godfather Part Two, and these are considered, you know, two of the greatest films of all time. And many would say that The Godfather Part Two is better than than one and i have to i have to say i disagree i'm not quite there um Mm. i think i think it's it's good of course like there was oh it's it's fantastic don't get me wrong it's it's mm -hmm. fucking great it's just comparing it to the first godfather like if we're just comparing like as a movie like this movie's fantastic it's amazing but we're comparing it to like a pretty gold standard Godfather yeah. Part One, like yeah. uh, like it's like as good as it I, can I get, feel, pretty uh, much. I, and maybe this movie just gets better, like as you rewatch it or something. But uh, it, it probably as, like, does. Eight. It probably does. My my biggest my biggest thing with this movie is that there are several things. There's so much going on. It is so long. There are several plot points that are quite difficult to follow, and I didn't have that. With the first one. Mm. Um, so I, I will say, this is almost certainly one that is more rewarding with rewatches. Uh, and I can say confidently, 
I will be rewatching this at some point. Like I, I absolutely, it was visually, it was visually stunning and I, I'm a sucker for that. That's what I want to watch. You know, uh, it was, it, it, it was still, it was still fucking great, but I, I don't hold it to the same standard. I do one as of right now. And I mean, you lose Marlon Brando. There's probably a degree there's the, I, I, I didn't that. And that in the second movie, the lack of Marlon Brando made me go, okay, I know what I, I know why I really liked the first mm. one. You know what I'm saying? It was Vito Corleone. And mm-hmm. you know, we get young Vito. We get young Vito and Robert De Niro uh, in a a really fun storyline, a really interesting storyline that is a really interesting parallel to Al Pacino's Michael Corleone. Mm-hmm. Uh, as his life devolves and is falling apart, Vito's is coming together and being built up. And, you know, they're, they're having the perfectly opposite experience throughout this movie. Mm. Uh, however, you know, Vito Corleone's actions are what create Michael Corleone's circumstances. So it's it's like, it's just this perfect storm. And I cannot tell you how how much more clear I see, like, The Sopranos mm. on, on the whole because of these movies. Like, it's like, holy shit, you were so thoroughly influenced by The Godfather. Like... Oh, yeah. Like, they, like the way that Michael's personal life falls apart while business is booming. They basically took that and turned it into 87 hours of television. Like that's just that's just what they did. Um No, nah, I like uh, this, this movie. In the first movie, we get Michael and he's very we we kind of liked him, you know, like he treated his wife very fairly. Never he only raised a voice at her one time. And uh, I even said like I love the storyline of how the mafia, like, even though it's all about family, how it eventually will tear your family apart. Always. And watching this movie, like, it, exactly what happens. Like, uh, and we see him for, like, the first time get angry, you know. Like, obviously, the, the conversations between him and his wife, like, aren't just easy conversations, like, to have. But, like, he's very in it now. You know, he's he's gone, taken a a step back from his family almost. And he's like, so invested into the business that absolutely family life struggles. Like, and another thing, another thing here, I remember when we were talking about the first one, we noticed several time jumps that are abrupt and are like, okay, now it's a year later. I didn't realize that we open this movie. Like, I want to say like seven years <laughs> past the first one. Like it's, it's been, it's been years since the first the events of the first ah, one. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I thought you were talking like at the very start whenever it was, uh, like. Oh, back in back, yeah, <laughs> back but, in Sicily. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, like the events with Michael Cor- <laughs> with Michael are yeah. like several years after he's become the the Godfather. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in operations for a while. He has been the head of this shit for a minute, and I like the premise that. Uh, and this is this is a thing in this era for for the mafia is trying to go legit by way of getting into Vegas and uh, getting your casinos and your hotels and getting your money that way. And uh, this movie goes to show just how uh, how hard it is to go clean once you have been the mafia. 
mm-hmm. it's pretty much impossible. So, and like, there's no, there's no better example of that in this movie than when after the uh, failed assassination attempt of Michael Corleone, where he has to go under, uh, he goes ahead and goes down to Florida to meet with Hyman Roth and stuff, and he leaves uh, Tom Hagen in charge. And the first thing they do is they. Like Tom Hagen goes, all right, well, I know what we're doing to get the support we need in Nevada. We are going to murder a woman and drug a man to make him think that he did it. And then we will blackmail him and we'll have him in our pocket. That'll be good. Uh, So the leap we've made since the first one, you know, the first one we got, you know, murdering horses, putting horse heads in beds. Terrible thing. Absolutely awful. I didn't realize we had room to grow. Uh, Mm -hmm. They were just like, of course. And like the way that Tom Hagen puts it for the, for the Senator where he's like, this woman has no family. Nobody knows who she is. We can just sweep this under the rug. Like nothing happened as long as you are with us. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, Mm. God damn. Like this, this girl to them, was no more important than that horse was. Nope. It's just, uh... That's, like, the part of the Mafia that, uh... That I... Another part is, like, it dehumanizes them. Like... Oh, yeah. Things that a normal human would be like, Oh, my God. Like, are you kidding me? Like, cutting off a horse head and putting it in someone's bed. Like, that is insane to a normal person. But that's, like... Uh, it's That's, a possibility of the line of work. Yeah, that was just something that they had to do. Like, uh, it's just, ah, oh, man. But I loved the, like, Cuba storyline. Like, I didn't, uh, whenever they were going to Cuba, I was like, we're going to Cuba? I was like, whoa, this movie's taking a completely different direction than I thought. Um, I kind of well, liked they're it. They're expanding uh, while- the criminal empire, you know? Like, they're... Mm-hmm. They're expanding into other countries, and there was no country that was more fit for that before the Cuban Revolution led by Fidel Castro than Cuba because they were basically a corporation where the president was bought and sold every election period so that people could come – like, and not, not Cubans. Americans most likely were coming in, making a ton of money, and putting someone else in office that would do would, that would do them well. And it's like – Jesus Christ. And I love the the theme in this movie uh, that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. You know, uh, that's that's the very thing that Fidel Castro and the Cuban Revolution is making an effort to fight. Meanwhile, Michael Corleone is doing his whole thing, rising to power when he is becoming an absolute villain. Mm. Like. It's interesting because I look at like characters like Tony Soprano and uh, Vito Corleone. Even I look at them and I go anti-hero. I look at Michael Corleone and I go villain. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he and it, it is a, it is a devil. It is a he devolves into that. It's not like he was always like that. Like we came out of the first one going, hey. I was a that was an all right dude compared to the rest of the guys. The war hero, you know, he didn't really do too many bad things. Treated his wife nicely. Dude's doing all right, you know. Like I'm, I'm obviously don't agree with his work and everything he does, but uh, for what he in is, this in this yeah. world, he's a pretty good dude. At the end of the first one, and you feel the same about Vito Corleone, especially in the first one. 
and the actions taken throughout the course of this film, uh, both by Michael and by Vito in the flashbacks are really interestingly mirrored Mm. uh, as Michael makes these business decisions that are damaging to like his personal life. And arguably like I'm not good enough with the business side of the mafia to know if what he's doing is good or not Mm. or the business. You know, the way he's playing Hyman Roth and uh, Pentangeli against each other a little bit. And it's like, I like, I don't know if he actually knew who set up the hit on him or if he's just saying he knows to get them to act on each other. Like, is he being a master manipulator to he get them to figures reveal himself? It, I believe the moment he figures it out is at like the, uh, that like event in Cuba, like it was New Year's. And he that's knows. that's the first time where he like knows like oh uh, yeah oh. but he's been acting yes. for like an hour yeah yeah hour of the movie he's already been like keeping in his head that either Pentangeli or or Hyman Roth did that yeah and that dude I can't express enough how good Al Pacino's acting is whenever I mean like it's his facial acting like his like you he doesn't have to say a fucking word for you to get exactly what he's what he's feeling. I mean in that scene like where earlier he asks uh Fredo his brother like do you know Johnny Ola and Hyman Roth and he says no nah, I've never heard of those guys and then Fredo lets it slip he's like ah, I heard about this place through Johnny Ola. Uh and the way that Al Pacino just like sits back and like like looks around the room and is like reeling and then like puts his hand to his head and is like, like you feel the distress coming off this man. Like he, he's Mm. never felt a greater betrayal in his life than right here with his brother who has also lied straight to his face about this very thing. You're not going to really tell your brother that you like ordered the hit on him though. Like, uh, Oh, absolutely not. He can't well, really just. Thing, he I also mean, he does though. Order, he didn't Eventually. order the hit. He, well, yeah, he uh, he he helped them with some. He helped them with some uh, intel in some way, and like he had to have known. Like that was kind of Michael's logic is you had to have known where that was going to end up, right? Like you had to have known in that part. Like, and this is another credit to the guy who plays Fredo. Uh, Dude, his acting throughout this movie is fucking incredible. I like was like secondhand scared for him. Like, oh be, yeah, like legitimately, like his acting was so good that I'm like, dang, I'm legitimately worried for this dude. Like, uh, I don't know, he was just, I can't believe he didn't like have a like supporting role. Like, uh, nah, yeah, like he deserved not even a nomination. He didn't get because that scene where they're sitting outside and he's like, why didn't we hang out like this earlier? Like, god damn it. <laughs> I've made several mistakes. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and like, I was like, he is really keeping his shit together in a really not, not a good way. Like, mm. cause that scene comes before he lets it slip. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he, like, even when to, he first you need to get your shit together a little bit guy, because like, obviously you did something here. You feel guilty. And like, you're articulating that to him without saying what you're guilty about. Like he shows I, up, and the one of the first thing he says to Michael, like in Cuba, is 
hey, I'm uh, the flight made me really nervous. Can I get a drink or something? Like, yeah. you know, he like kind of like had to come up with something really quick and like from like moment one, he's already like shit in his pants. Like this dude is like, oh, like he probably knows or like, he, cause that's what he's thinking, you know, is like, is he going to kill me at any moment? Or like, yeah. um, am I like, am I going to die right now? Does he know? Like, like, <laughs> It's actually really interesting. I know uh, uh, we mentioned Johnny Ola, uh, played by Dominic Cianese, who uh, plays Uncle Junior Soprano mm-hmm. in uh, in The Sopranos. And I think that their characters have a lot in common. Uh, Fredo and Uncle June, not Fredo and Johnny Ola. Mm. Uh, the, the older brother, who was passed over, and frankly, Fredo knows he's not built for that. Like he knows this isn't his shit. He just wishes he got the respect he deserved. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, I was the older brother and I was never even a thought. Mm -hmm. Like it was like Sonny. Okay. Sonny's not Sonny's dead. It's Michael. And Fredo's older than Michael. So it's like, Oh damn. Like he, he, he feels, he feels like it's interesting because every single one of Vito's kids feels like a black sheep. All of them feel so alone, and all of them talk to each other relatively regularly and are, like, basically just, like, how? How is life like this? Mm. Yeah, when (laughs) when his sister comes and talks to him about, like, you know, divorce now, marrying a new guy, um, and I need money. Like, is this is, like, is this the first time that Michael, like, really... He really, yeah, like, he's angry. Like, this is one of the first times where you see him, like, upset Man. and yell and, like, yeah, actually get, like, pissed. Um, It's just, it was really, the mo- I mean, the whole movie is just Michael's decline, you know, into the corrupt, like, he has everything he wants. And they even, it, I don't know if this was the first movie or second movie, but someone is like, you're high up in the Sierra Mountains. You have this That's huge estate. You, you're drinking champagne cocktails or whatever. Like, life is fine, you know? Like, uh, but you oh, gotta I think it's go Tom Hagen. I think it's Tom Hagen talking to yeah. Michael Corleone. He's like, you, you are living the high life here. You're doing, you want to kill everybody? Mm-hmm. Not everybody, just my enemies. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, damn. No, like, I'm going to tell you, there were some lines in this movie that were like, oh, that was an instant classic. And there's one that I'm interested if it had ever been said before, because it is now such a classic phrase that I'm not sure if this was the origin or not. Okay. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I That line, yes. Whenever I heard that I'm... My immediate thought was, is this where that originated? Like, I always thought this was like, uh... oh, wait, no. No, because the line was like, my father always said. Yeah, it wasn't like uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Or like, they didn't say who said the quote. He was like, oh, my no, father, said, my always, father said. always said. Like, yeah. Okay, so it was a Vito Corleone original through the the mouth of Michael Corleone. Keep your friends uh, close. I have to know if this is like originated from The Godfather, because um, that would be kind of insane. Like, that's a like, I don't know. That's just it's like a classic a... phrase. Like, it, it's 
it, it reminds me of the Dark Knight being the origin of uh, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Like, the fact that those two quotes originated from fucking just, like, <laughs> movies? That seems like it's some Shakespeare shit. Like, that, like, it feels like it should be classic, like, classic literature sort of thing. Yeah, wow. It's, uh, it did originate. Originally, it was in the novel, uh, um, part sense. two, but, like, this was the first time that it was to the masses, yeah. basically. Yeah. So, yeah. it is the origin. Like, yeah, not, that's crazy. That's um, insane. No, like, that's, that is cultural impact. The fact that, there is a single line in this movie that I knew I've known for all my life, practically. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I've heard that just everywhere. Like, that's just something you just hear. All that, like, that, wow. Yeah, this, uh, I like that we're going, uh, we're getting all of this background in movies, like, at this time. It's history. Like, we're like, this project is, like, legitimately, like, has just opened me up to just so much more. Um, And we're only five Five movies movies in. in. Yeah, so... uh, Done 70, 71, 2, 3, and now Uh, 4. And this... uh, It is interesting because uh, I think that this one... like I've said, it didn't quite stack up to The Godfather, but I'd I'd watch it before any of the other movies we've watched so far. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Um, I mean, besides The Godfather. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but was, uh, it was still a fantastic film. Like I'm not taking anything away from it. It's just hard comparing it to the first one right now. Like yeah. I came out of the first one, like oh my god, like that was like a masterpiece. Like that was beautiful. I came out of this one, like. That was still really good, but like, I kind of lost. I was lost watching the movie a little bit, and I didn't really stick with it. I wasn't as invested in this movie as I was in the first one. I no, guess. yeah, I'm and with I, you. I think I'm 100 yeah. with you. I think I think there's uh, something to the fact that uh, what made the first one so compelling is is the rise of Michael Corleone. Uh, paralleled by Vito's ultimate demise. And when you flip it around here, it's like, okay, well, we've already seen Vito at the height of his power. So getting the background's cool. I almost feel like this this one could have been two separate movies. Like, you could do, you could have done a prequel based around Vito Corleone and then dedicated a full two hours and some change to the to the Michael Corleone of it all. Uh, however, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, I love the parallels here. Like, I love the way that whenever you, whenever we do the slow fade into the flashbacks, how like most Mm. of the time you saw both Michael and Vito on screen at the same time without them actually being there, which is fucking awesome. I love, I loved the way they, they did that. And uh, don't get me wrong. I think the way this movie is edited, paced. This is the right way to go. I'm just I just said like there's just so much here mm. that it could have been two separate movies. Honestly, um, like whenever we went back into Vito's storyline, I was kind of more invested in his story than Michael's at sometimes. Like sure. uh yeah, I was like this, like even though I don't understand a single word of what's being spoken, it I was like much easier to get. 
like that's like that's the thing is it was so much easier to grasp what his basic goals are, who he has problems yeah, with. Like, dude steals a rug, sells the it, it puts it in his home. You know the baby rolling crying on the like oh that was beautiful that that was like ah oh. oh no as, as soon as I saw that I took baby's a note crying, one man. of my notes I was like oh that baby's crying on that rug because that rug is the first step towards the organized crime life for Vito Corleone. Uh, and I do love that's it. It is much easier to understand the the Vito Corleone storyline of it all because it is it is much simpler. It's a uh, you know uh, when Steal he's a young stuff, sell some stuff, rob some people, you have some money. He gets mm-hmm. respect. People are you know like the orange like when he when he goes to the orange stand. Like I didn't understand a single word that was spoken, but like I got the you idea. Know, like you know the guys yeah, like. like I'll give you this for free. Like, exactly. Take it, yeah. Like, uh, so he's earned respect. And then the olive oil company, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's all very, Cut you know, dry. where he ends up too. So it's like, it's very it easy help. to understand. It does um, uh, I do love that. Uh, the whole veto of it all was really interesting, you know, starting with him as a nine year old uh, at his, at his dad's funeral. His brother gets shot and killed. His mother then takes him to the local mob mob boss, who that's why his dad and his brother were killed. And she was like, this boy will be your servant, basically. Like, please, for the love of God, do not kill him. And it ultimately results in them killing her. And now we got a nine-year-old boy fleeing the mafia by going to America, which is a fascinating parallel to uh, Michael Corleone in the first movie, uh, fleeing death by going from America to Italy, mm. uh, which I thought was mm. really yeah. Didn't yeah. put those two together. Yeah, yeah. you just a little, like that was kind of what the whole thing is. Is like their whole story is just like a like a mirror of each other in some way, shape, or form. In the way that the rise leads to the fall and vice versa. Like it's just. It's really, really interesting. But, you know, that scene in Ellis Island where, we, where we've got Vito Andalini from uh, Corleone, Sicily. And they're like, all right, well, that's Vito Corleone. Because mm-hmm. um, that was Ellis Island for you, for sure. Crazy that, like, a nine-year-old can just hop on a boat, go into Ellis Island, become a citizen. Like, just like that, like, on his own. Like, uh, I know he doesn't have anybody, like, which is sad. But like today, do you think like like there's no like a nine year old like that's insane like he's on his own. Well, what's crazy is like now a nine year old shows up on a boat to New York. They go, all right, <laughs> let's get this kid in the system. That's you yeah. know like this is it's just a different time. Like yeah. this is this is the time in which that can happen, and they can just like <laughs> go live on the streets until they figure shit out, which is like. Wow. What yeah. a different time. Uh, but it, I really love Robert De Niro. And uh, I think he brought to life a young Marlon Brando as Vito Corleone really well. He looked shockingly similar to him. I, I've never seen Robert De Niro this young, mm. which mm. made me go, oh, damn. That's a, that's a cute man. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he was a looker. That's for he sure. He was a looker. Uh, but 
the scenes where, you know, he's back home with his family, with the baby, with his wife, you feel the the solace. You know, he's chilling. He's mm-hmm. happy. You know, and I think it's really important to make that emphasis that as poor as he is with nothing to his name, he's got his child and his wife and therefore he is cool. Mm-hmm. He's set. He's a family man. Every he's time he does man. something bad, every time he goes right back to his family, kisses his wife, kisses his children. Like that's what you see. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I really liked his story, like that part of the movie. Like uh, I just loved it. It was just very – it was like a, a break almost. Like every time it flashed back, it was like, ah, like thank God. Like uh, I don't have to like put all these – these different names floating around together and we're in Cuba and now, now we're back well, was, home. And like, I was interested in the like folding in of Pentangeli. Like why even introduce a new guy? Like Clemenza from the last movie feels like he should have been like a shoe in to be that guy. And for some, like I'm assuming like the actor probably couldn't be back. So they had to like do something there. But like, I was just like introducing a whole new character here is really interesting. And obviously uh, for several minutes into the uh, hours, even into this movie, you fucking despise Frank Pentangeli. He is as annoying as a character in these types of shows can get. He's a little too entitled. <laughs> feels like uh feels like he's owed something. And it's like, bro, you are dealing with the dawn of America. The whole country gambling crime it runs through this guy so just just wait a second okay you'll get there yes get me, your turn yes me waiting in a lobby yeah. <laughs> his voice man like uh like uh and he was one of the guys who did get nominated for a supporting nod and that makes sense he did have a really really good performance they made me really really not like him which is part of the point and i do love when michael corleone shows up at the hearing with his brother and He's like immediately like, okay, I get it. Um, no, I've never heard of Michael Corleone. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, like I was wondering. I'm like, why is this dude like? Why is Michael bringing in this dude from Italy? And then like I see Frank give him the like look at him, you know, see him and was like, all right, like, uh, all right. and then he gets into his testimony, and I was like, ah, I get it now. Uh, that that makes sense. And the, he's like. I don't work for Michael Corleone. I have my own family. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. They even All bring right. it up. They're like, uh, the committee was like, who's that sitting next to Michael, if you don't mind? And then he doesn't understand a word of English. He can't be any help to you. Sorry. And uh, Oh, yeah. And they're like, does he know anything about this trial? And they're like, to my knowledge, no. Nope. Uh- <laughs> He's just here to help out Michael and be there for moral support. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love uh, love all the the – the dodges that the mafia has to do with, with the government and stuff. Oh yeah. And like, it's like, it's so surface level. Like, it's like, it's so obvious that they're fucking with, with them. And like, they know they're fucking with them, but they can't do shit about it because the law they're not like, and that's where like the line is drawn. You know, the mafia guys are willing to fuck with them and break the law doing so. And the other guys can't break the law. Cause then what, then they're them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's like, I, I just really, really enjoyed the uh, the themes with power in this movie, and I think uh, the senator is a good example of someone mm-hmm. who uh, is a, a corrupted power. He's, he's a little too confident. You know, when he walks in at that communion for Anthony Corleone, 
and is like, I'm going to talk to you like you haven't been talked to before. I was expecting Michael Corleone to stand up and shoot him in the face. Whenever he pointed and then Michael looked at his finger, looked back up at him, I'm like, this dude's not lasting like 20 minutes. Like, that's what I thought. I'm like, this dude's dead. Like, when he leaves the room, Michael's going to be like. Yeah, like, go get him. Like, yeah, that's like, that. Uh, and I just. That doesn't happen. But, like, I was like, I really thought it would. Like, but I, really I guess, that that, dude, I guess yeah. that's the line. Like, they can't, like, they can't kill a U.S. senator without it drawing some attention. You yeah. know, like. And he, I mean, straight up was like, I'll, I'll tell you my offer right now. You know? Nothing. Oh, yeah. Like, you've given me all the shit. And I'll tell you. I don't want to hear any of it. I'm not giving you shit. So uh, have a nice day, sir. Uh, and I and I will say the biggest. This will take some rewatches because mm. where I'm at right now, I'm confused. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It's obvious why there would be an assassination attempt against Michael Corleone. He's Michael Corleone. He's got power. You want to take that power away. Uh. And by the end of this movie, are we supposed to have concluded that Hyman Roth really was the one behind those? Behind the the initial assassination attempt that gets Fredo killed and so on and so forth? Like, I think that's where we're supposed to be, right? That's where I'm at, at least. Okay, that's, what, that's, that's where I was at, too. I just wanted to make sure that I was getting it clearly because that whole storyline was a little convoluted, you know. Because uh, Michael, like, asks him straight up. Like, did you order the hit on these guys? And then he was like, Mo Green invented Las Vegas, then got yeah. shot in the eye. You know, like, he just avoided the the thing completely. So, like, I think what? that's, like... Yeah, and that, and, like, looking back, that scene is, like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get whoever did that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's, like, that's, that's what the scene is. But the whole thing for me, though, was, like, the sequence scene of it, because he's, like, uh... He goes to Clement or he goes to Hyman Roth and he goes, uh, so you're cool with a hit on Pentangeli. Like you're okay if that you're okay if that happens. Then we go to Michael Corleone talking to Pentangeli, and he's like, I think it was Hyman Roth. And, uh, and like I and when I saw that I went like, okay, is he trying to play one of them? Is he trying to play both of them? Does he even know what's actually going on, or is he just guessing? And then uh, and then Pentangeli dies the next scene. Or not dies, nearly dies. He gets he gets strangled and a cop a cop walks into the bar and stops it. Uh but I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, like on surface level, as soon as I view that, I'm like, Okay, so I'm back in the camp of Pentangeli attempted the the hit. Hyman like Hyman Roth okayed the assassination attempt, they tried to kill him. And then later on in the movie, Corleone's like, so who ordered the hit on Pentangeli? And I'm like, wait a second, didn't you? And he's like, nope, I oh, didn't. Yeah, and I'm that like, that is weird. Yeah. So, like, all of that just, like, confused the shit out of me. And I, ultimately, it's what, probably like, them just trying to play each other. Like, it is. Like, yeah. all it was was that Corleone goes to Hyman Roth, tells him, a- asks him, are you okay? whacking Pentangeli. I guess that Hyman Roth takes that and goes, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead, get out ahead of this, knock off Pentangeli before he can say anything otherwise. Like, I wasn't the one who tried to kill you. 
Corleone sees that goes, okay, so it was definitely Hyman Roth. Okay, that uh, I'm I'm all caught up now. I just needed to talk through it a little bit because it it's just sequenced weird. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of dialogue. Like this movie's pretty much nothing but dialogue and failed assassination attempts. Mm-hmm. Not um, until the end. Uh, and- save for the one where you you know you got you got a guy at point blank range in a boat. Hopefully you can succeed with that one. Saying uh, a prayer. Yeah, that. Uh... No, you gotta go. You gotta oh, go back with your mother, to Reno. Like, uh, yeah, kid, get out of here. <laughs> yep. He's like he, the way he's like. You know, before you're about to go out on the water, every time you you cast a line, say a hail mary, and whatever you, it'll all come to you. He says a hail mary, and Bing. boy, oh boy, does it come to him. It did. At least he, you know, if I was gonna go, at least like I'm. In prayer, like if I was religious, in, I, in I, prayer, you know, in vision, vision, like yeah, like completely unexpected, like I'm not, no I'm not fear, in my bed, no fear in you your know, heart, yeah, like, like I'm not in my bed and I just get shot in the head, or like walking into my apartment and get shot in my heart and then my neck and then my face, um, which uh, that's a whole different uh, scene, but I love, like I don't know, I just loved uh, Vito's storyline, just just uh, it was well, just let's a, go back a more to Vito real quick. It's just a more uh, this, enjoyable. This conversation has been a little bit all over the place, so mm-hmm. let's uh, <laughs> let's go through my notes here, mm. kind of sequenced and like you know because I, I took notes as I watched the movie, and we'll in general be able to talk about it in sequence. Uh, so my first note was, oh damn, dude's name was Vito Andalini. Like I was like, oh okay, so Corleone wasn't even actually his name, and then I saw Corleone Sicily, and I was like, okay, I know exactly what happened here. I can't wait until we see what actually unfolded. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about that a little bit. Uh, my next note was, okay, now they know how to deal with assassination attempts. Like, bro, as soon as the, like, as soon as the firing was done, that compound went on lockdown. Everyone was out. I was like, okay, they finally figured out that you need some security <laughs> as the dawn of the mafia. Um. I will also say my questions as I was watching that were like, okay, if they have so much security on the compound, how'd they get even so close as to do this? And Michael Corleone answers that question very quickly. He goes, obviously someone here had something to do with it because mm-hmm. otherwise this wouldn't have even come close to happening. Uh, got which, that from his father. Got he that from his that father. Very like, there are lesson. so many things mm-hmm. that are just like, he is so clearly his father's son, but even like crueler. Mm. Yeah, like Vito's kind of like a good guy when it comes to the mafia. He he definitely does some bad things, but Michael like he enjoys it. You know, he enjoys the he wants the power to do the bad and yeah shit. yeah because like it's well I it's think... not that he wants to do the bad shit. It's just that. To get the most bang for your buck, you have to do the bad shit, and he is more than willing to do that. Mm -hmm. As we saw at the end of the first one, where he takes out every head of the five families, and it's like, it's me now, bitches. Uh, That was like, the ending of the first one was like, just a, really? Like, this is happening? Like, okay. The ending of this one was kind of like a, Oh, that's where I, we're ending it. Yeah, uh, like okay, like I don't, it was. Uh, I guess we're. I'm still jumping all around. I just uh, 
Oh, no worries. I mean, like, take it where the conversation will go. We'll, we'll rein it back in. But, um, mm-hmm. but man. Uh, my next my next note here was love this moment with Tommy and Mike. And I'm guessing that's the one where they're sitting down at the table and he makes him the Don and is like, I got to go for a while while I'm gone. You're the Don. Uh, you're my brother and I love you. Mm. And Tom's like, that's all I've ever wanted to hear. Mm. And what, like, what's crazy about this moment is that like, this is all Fredo ever wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. No pun intended with the Alfredo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I feel bad for uh, for Fredo. Yeah, uh... oh, Fredo is hard. Like, because Tom Hagen was more a part, like more a sibling to them than Fredo was. Like, think about the first movie. Fredo's in it for like five minutes. <laughs> And in those moments, it's just like him being like, all right, dad, enjoy. Like, nobody really says shit to him. He's kind of looked over. Like, and it's absolutely intentional for the events of this movie. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, they're like. Oh, yeah. It took me a couple times to be like, oh, yeah, he is his brother. Like, uh, you know. Because well, like- Michael Corleone keeps saying, like, you're my brother and I love you. And I'm like, okay, is this like the Italian thing where it's mm-hmm. like, you're my brother. We're in the mafia. Therefore, you're my brother. It wasn't until, like, a few. Like, it wasn't until they said Fredo Corleone in this movie that I went, oh, he's his actual brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah I did me, not get It took that. me a minute. But, uh. And then it just made me feel even worse for him. Like, dang, this dude's actually blood related. Oh, he's older too. And I was like, oh, dang. Like, yeah, this dude really got it like pretty bad. Like, uh, oh, he got it. He got it terribly. And like, like you were saying, he was older and like he says, I was passed over and stuff like that. And it's like, you can also tell that he, like, that's not actually what he's mad about. Like, I think it's pretty clear to Fredo and everyone around that Fredo isn't exactly the Don type. Mm. Uh, yeah, he knows he couldn't do it. Like, no, he couldn't, and and like that that it, same same feelings I have towards Uncle June. Mm. You had all the opportunity in the world. You were the older brother. If you wanted to seize the opportunity, you would have. That's true. And and you didn't. So like, you're just not built for this shit. Like that's just how it is. Because that's the thing. That's the difference between a Fredo and a Michael Corleone. When Michael saw his opportunity to become the Don, he killed the heads of the five families. <laughs> he did what he needed to do to he did really what he become needed to the do. Don. And he didn't just become the Don. He became the Don. The you know, Don. So. And then like, Fredo, when they were talking about it in this movie, they were like, yo, Vito couldn't even imagine the heights that we've reached. Like, that's the that's the sense I get from this, is that Michael Corleone has elevated the family in such a way that Vito couldn't have imagined where they're at. I know, obviously, in that first movie, he goes, he looks at Michael and he goes, Governor Corleone, Senator Corleone. Like, he, he has big plans for Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael's like, okay, fine. I'll be the Don. Mm-hmm. Frito was kind of like, he expected it just to be handed down to him just because he's the eldest son. You know, like, he thinks... Well, after Sonny. Yeah, he thinks, like, uh, it's just going to be handed to him, basically. Like, uh, and that he doesn't have to legitimately do something to become the Don. Like, it's not just a thing that just happens, you know. 
you have no, to yeah. do and, and that's something. the thing too is that like the the thing that he wants is what Michael has like and there's another character who in the Sopranos that reminds me a little bit of Fredo that's uh, Artie Bucco the the owner of the restaurant who's like Tony's best friend and stuff where he's like uh he kind of envies Tony in a way because he's like I really wish I could I could inspire that fear and that respect and you feel that in Fredo he he wants to ins- he like he wants to at least get the respect you know it's more so than being handed the title of Don he wants to be handed respect yeah and he like and frankly, if, back... if it occurs to you to give information to another family, you've forfeited the right to respect in in this world. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. obviously, he only did that because he was feeling that lack of respect for a super long time, and it's just a it's just a cruel cycle. But it's ah, it was just masterfully masterfully done. I guess he's just used to show like. You have to be 100% loyal. You mess up one time, that's all it takes. Like, And Michael almost like forgave him, you know? Like, he was almost, like, I don't know if he actually was going to forgive him. Like, the scene I'm kind of thinking of is whenever they're in Cuba and he's like, hey, get in the car, like, you're still my brother. You know, like, this is the only way out. Is that just him way to get him in the car to kill him? Or is, was he actually going to forgive him? Like, Well, I think for the time being, he was. Mm. Uh, because there's that there's an important line at some point where Michael goes, as long as my mom's alive. That's right. I, uh, as oh, long as my uh, mom's alive, I'm not going to take a son away from from her. Uh, and it it it's it's enough. That's another parallel to the first one, and that he won't take an action until his parent has died. He wasn't going to take out the five families' heads because he knew Vito wouldn't have been on board with that. He literally said earlier in the movie, I will not be the one to break this peace. You know what I'm saying? Like, he w- he wasn't going to be. Mm-hmm. And Michael was the one who broke that peace. He he took it into onto his own to go, okay, I'm going to wait until my dad dies. And then I will seize complete and utter power. Uh, and then here, waits, waits until his mom has, has passed to uh, go ahead and whack his brother for the betrayal that he committed who knows how long ago by the time that that's by the time that's occurring because like there's no telling with the time jumps and stuff just how long in between some of this shit happening is mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter yeah either. it doesn't matter like, it's just uh that that yeah it's i don't know this movie I, now that I'm kind of ro- going like back through it and running through like all these things, it's making more sense in my mind. Like I can see same. how this it's could more be it's more falling into poli- I like, can see how it's falling into place, and I can see critically how people will view it as better. I don't think I favor it, uh, but I can I can see how it's better. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's what they mean by better. Like, uh, it's just critically a... critically better. But I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. You ask a person what their favorite Godfather movie is, and a lot of them will go too. I wonder. One was so good, though. Like, no, I can't get over it. Like, I can't get over how good one was. It's been lingering in my mind since we watched it through American Graffiti, and now, like, it's like I honestly just think it's peer pressure. Like, I don't like uh, people just say it's better, and then they immediately have to be like, "Oh, it is better." And if I say it's not better, then like uh, I'm wrong. You know, like a, 
Like kind of just... like if you're a, if you're an MCU fan and Thor Ragnarok is not your favorite Thor movie. Mm. I see. The Ragnarok is yeah. I uh. Well, while objectively and universally, it is it is the best. Like and I just I just watched Dark Phoenix and it like that movie got, got shit on for some reason. Like I don't understand it. Like yeah. I go into movies now like with no opinions and like I. I don't know. Like, I, it's just way better to enjoy a movie that way. Oh, absolutely. Um, and absolutely. Like, No Way Home, I'm going in thinking Toby and Andrew are showing up for 30 seconds. You know, I'm going in with the lowest, lowest of expectations. And I guess this movie was kind of – I didn't really do that because you I – came into it expecting a better movie than we just watched. Yeah. So that this one was kind of hard, uh, and I didn't really give it, like, my – my sincerest watch, I, I could say. Um, but oh, I feel that. I feel that for sure. Uh, but you can't be blamed for that because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've been hearing for forty fucking years that this is one of the best movies that's ever existed. Um, yeah, I guess it's it's hard to suspend those thoughts whenever a movie came out, you know, in the seventies, and people have those opinions. So, like, it has to be somewhat. Right. Oh, it's based in reality. Yeah. And like, that's another thing, too, is that the way that these things snowball, like, Marlon Brando as Vito Corleone and Al Pacino as Michael Corleone are such iconic and classic roles, and they are fantastic in them. Don't get me wrong. Marlon Brando as Vito Corleone is fucking perfect. And so, and Al Pacino as Michael Corleone, especially in this second movie, is fantastic. But there are people who will tell you that Vito Corleone feels like a caricature, and Michael Corleone is kind of stiff. Mm. And it's like, because these have been considered the greatest performances of all time for almost 50 years, the legend around them has just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed to the point where like you feel obligated to think they're fantastic when you do watch them. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Like, I... Definitely went into this movie thinking it's going to be way better than the first because that's all I've heard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, coming out of it, like, and I, I truly don't really want to say anything, like, until I have another watch where I fully understand everything and, and get through it, like, correctly. But I I don't think it beats one. Like, I don't think it'll ever beat one for me. Not for me. Not Like, I, I really don't. I think that, like, and I really can't emphasize enough Marlon Brando as Vito Corleone makes the first one. Like that's that is what kept me in it apparently. Uh and and obviously it didn't take me out of this movie, but uh he he enhanced that that movie a lot for me. Uh I uh I do think it's cool or interesting rather, not cool, uh that Michael seemed to have fullest intent on raising Anthony to replace him. Uh, Whenever he's like, uh, will you take me with you? And he's like, no, nah, I won't. And he's like, but I want to help you. And he goes, one day you will. Hmm. I'm interested in, cause uh, Godfather part three will not be our 1990 movie. Uh, fifth, 16 years after the second one, Godfather part three. Uh, 1990 will be uh, probably Goodfellas if I had to take a guess. Uh, 
I don't know anything about that movie, but I hope it acts on that. Mm. That whole, uh, you know, it's set. I think uh, I think Michael Corleone is supposed to be in his sixties. Then, like he is, he is Vito Corleone's age come Godfather Part Three. So it would make sense for his son to have been. I guess that's the difference between the father and son here. Here is that Vito wanted big things outside of the mafia for Michael, but Michael Michael can't see beyond it. Yeah, it's all his life uh, is now. It's like he's he's he he doesn't want. Like, he says he wants to go clean, you know, to his wife. Like, we're getting there. Like, she even says, like, you said five years ago we'd be clean, and it's seven now. Like, and we're obviously still not clean. Like, yeah. And he's like, oh. Not even close. Yeah, like, when he says to her, like, yeah, we're still trying, or, like, it's just taking time. Like, he has no, like, really no intention of getting And there. And there's a couple scenes where it's clear that he has no intention. Of actually doing the things he's saying. Like that scene later on. Again with Kay. Where. Or I think it might be the same scene. Just later on in that scene. uh, Where she tells him. Like. I want out so bad that I aborted our baby. Yeah. Because I knew. You wouldn't forgive that. Mm Mm-hmm. And prior to that. He's going. I can I can do anything. Like I will I I'll change. I'm getting better. Like we're going legit. This will be this will be okay. You just got to stick with me for a couple years. And she's like, "Jesus fucking Christ, get a clue, dude. I don't want this anymore." Mhm. Yep. You have you are not the man I married. Like And I can't dude, the mob wife archetype is like we'll get more to this in Goodfellas and like I've talked about the Sopranos all the time. Carm. But the best mm-hmm. the best mob wives of all time, the fact that we have Diane Keaton as Kay, Lorraine Bracco as uh uh I wanna say it was Henry Hill's wife, I think her name was Katie Hill, uh, and then Edie Falco as Carm mm. Soprano. Like these the fact that these are our mob wife like gold standard is fantastic. Yeah. Cause she and Kay more than more than uh even Carm does something about it. Mm-hmm. I think well and with Carm it's like, you know, it's a s- seven season show, six season show. So like And you're arguably seeing about the same amount of time unfold. Yeah. So uh, it's I'd say they, they break pretty similarly. Uh it's just that we don't see enough of Kay, you know, like to really know like what she's thinking during this whole time. But well, and that's what's that's what's also impeccable about uh, I mean, really, just the TV show format mm. is that uh, I mean, I love The Godfather, and I love The Godfather Part Two. After having watched them, they don't touch the the enjoyment I get from The Sopranos, and. The reason is simply the medium. It's the mm-hmm. fact that instead of six hours here in the Godfather and Godfather Part Two, like I've said a few times, I get eighty-seven hours. That it's is the so same much thing. It's time. It's the same thing, just set in a different time period. Like it's heavily influenced. Now that I've seen both of these movies, like 
I've only watched four seasons of of The Sopranos, and it's heavily influenced. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure every piece of mob film or show is influenced by The Godfather in some way. Like, oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. But man, it's it's made me love The Sopranos more. Like, well, uh, and and that's the thing is that I've like, I've I've also watched Goodfellas and I've watched Scarface. Those movies didn't influence The Sopranos the way that these did. Like it, it is so clear what what the intention was with David Chase's The Sopranos. Like it's it, it just really is. And there's so many mentions of The Godfather in the first season of The Sopranos that it's like they're really they really do their best to pay homage uh any chance they get. But uh Yeah, I haven't yeah, uh, K, I haven't K, seen Scarface yet. It's... So That'll be a That'll very. Be, it'll be a fun one. It mm-hmm. like I can confidently say, it'll be a it'll be an interesting one to talk about because mm. it's one that is really it's a mixed bag. Mm. People either really really like Scarface or like, I didn't get like I don't get why this is one of the biggest crime movies of all time at all. Interesting. Uh, yeah, we got a while. But you know, back back to the topic at hand, as it were. Uh, Scarface is good and all, but this is The Godfather Part Two. Uh, my next note here was, uh, "Damn, so Clemenza put Vito on." Uh, mm. That that scene in the the small New York apartments where he tosses, he's like, "Hey, buddy, take this for me, hide it," uh, and he just like he just he doesn't he doesn't even question it. He goes. Okay. And I and like that was my favorite thing about the portrayal of Vito was that it stuck so true to the Marlon Brando nonchalant knowing like knowing exactly how to handle himself in any given moment. You know what I'm saying? Like he takes he takes it, he looks into the room where his wife is and he goes, "All right," and shut the door <laughs> and don't need to I I the emphasis on shutting the door on your activity. You know, like I loved the imagery of the wife in the other room, him holding the guns and him shutting the door like Michael did at the end of the first movie on K. This was one of the easiest uh, things to get with no English or like subtitles. This was like, yep. All I right. get what's I going exactly on here. What's happening yep. here. Uh, so yeah, when he tells him to hide it and, uh, he goes and he he figures out he figures out something to do with it, and then Clemenza approaches him later on and is like, "Hey, so uh, you ever look? You ever uh, hide that package?" He goes, "Yeah." You ever look? He goes, well, "I don't look at things that aren't for for my knowledge." Uh, and it's such a lie. Like he obviously looked like, "Duh." Uh, someone hands you a bag, tells you to hide it. You ought to look inside. Uh, if you're about that life, like if you're willing to do that shit, because I remember there's a storyline in The Sopranos where Tony hands uh, the Cusamanos a box and tells him to watch after it. <laughs> Did we ever figure out what was in there? And you never will. Like they awesome. never, they never, they awesome. never touch it again. It's just Cusamano having to fucking stress <laughs> over possibly one day getting caught with that box, which is just hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I loved that whole sequence. Like, uh, and then Clemenza is like, "Hey, okay, thank you so much for that. Let me uh, let me pay you back. Do you guys have a rug? You need a nice rug?" And uh, he's like, "Yeah, we could use a rug, I guess." And uh, they go and they get the rug. And he's like, "Oh, he's not home right now. You don't mind if I uh, I unlock it, right?" And he's like, 
no, I guess not. And then like, you see him like look around and stuff and Vito clearly gets what's going on. And he kind of, he like kind of volunteers to take like a watch stand a little bit, kind of looks around like, <laughs> all right. And then they get inside, they move shit. He's like, this is a real palace. And they roll it up. Someone knocks at the door. And I was like, hold the fuck up. Clemenza is willing to drop a cop over this rug. I th- what I kind of pulled out for it, because that's my initial thought, was like, wow, he's really going to blast his cop in the head of, like over this rug. But I think he was like, it was for Vito. It was for Vito to see and for Vito to understand, like, or for, to him to really, like, get him into the life. Like, I think he really wanted Vito to, like, just see what everything was about. Like, because like, this... Whenever I watched it, like, I didn't know the conversation they had before, you know, to get to the, the rug, you know, like, mm-hmm. do you need a rug? And like, I didn't, I didn't get that. Um, but whenever I was just thinking through it, I was like, this dude's like trying to show him the ropes. He's uh, letting him know, like, how he does his business. And it is like, even though he doesn't end up killing the cop, it's like, just to show he would, like, yeah, I think like that, that's how I took it. Um, okay. Well, having no like, English, that's like, got to uh, be it. No, because yeah. like, there's not a lot more context to it. It's like the conversation they have prior to going to get the rug really is really surface level. Mm. Just like, hey, I appreciate that. It's all the low key mob talk that's kind of like backwards and coded and really simple language and stuff. So like, and Vito's just kind of like, yeah, mm. yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, we could use the rug. Uh, and that's kind of that's just kind of how the whole thing unfolds and uh and obviously there when they bring the rug home and the and Mama Corleone is like, "Oh, this is gorgeous. It's beautiful." And the baby's just sobbing. And mm-hmm. sobbing. I love I loved that, especially after we expressly mentioned that that purposeful use of crying babies. Mhm. Used beautifully here. It, uh, I was just seeing the baby like on the rug too and like crawling like oh it, oh man what a scene yeah they, they they know I don't know like you just don't get that anymore with movies like uh I don't know like this feels just like a I don't know even what I'm really trying to say but uh like just well, little I, things like that that just adds so like it just adds so much like it, it's something that's so easy yeah it is interesting to think about because i do think uh there certainly is a degree less of that due to commercial commercial uh commercialization of our film on the whole through like disney and shit like most movies we're going to go see are like franchise shit these days like and mm-hmm. therefore the artistic uh intention isn't always the most potent uh however there are still those movies that like there are it, it, they're just uh you gotta go searching for them they're not they're not the classics anymore mm. you know like uh mm-hmm. the classics now are avengers infinity war they're not that's the true. godfather yeah. part two uh that's very interesting to think about like in 20 years what people will be looking back on on the classics like infinity war will be one of them like and I'd argue Avatar. It's, the only, it's the only MCU movie that is a classic. 
I'd say like Avatar, people will be like, "That's a classic." Like uh, of of. Like, I, I mean, it was the highest yeah, grossing movie of all time. And but stuff. Like, like, yeah, thinking of that is interesting. Hard, it's yeah. hard to say because like only history can tell. Like what ages like fine wine, and eventually everyone goes, "That was a fucking classic." Uh, and I wonder how like, and sometimes there's movies that hit, and you know, like instantly, oh, that was a classic. Been a while. I feel like since we've we've had a hit like that. That's true. Yeah. I couldn't um, tell you the last time I was in a theater and I was like, wow. Was Infinity War. Yeah, like that was the like theater experience that I was like de- like I was devastated. Like everyone yeah. was devastated, you know. But it's not like a movie like this. If I saw this in a theater, like <laughs> I, guess I don't even be... know. I don't even know what that would be like. Yeah, wow. This uh I wish I could go back watch watch these movies with the people of the time. You know, yeah. that'd be awesome, you know, but uh I'm glad we're doing this just anyways. Like it's it's making well, that, me that's I I've noticed too that a theme throughout our episodes so far is like Obviously, it's 2022. We are only 21. We don't have a lot of life experience. So all of our takes on these old movies, like it's like how do we view a movie from this time period now? Mm. And I've, I've noticed that's kind of the thread that can kind of be taken through all of our episodes is like, what's this movie mean to us in 2022? Um. And I've noticed that in, in all our episodes so far. Uh, and I think uh, that, that theme has persisted here, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we've somehow connected it to Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> um, but uh, continuing with these notes here, uh, this will just give you a little uh, indication of like my headspace surrounding like the whole Roth, Pentangeli storyline here. This note is, thank God Roth agreed to have Pentangeli sacked he's annoying as hell uh so as i'm watching i'm going pentangeli's annoying hyman roth and michael seem to have a good relationship a lot of respect for each other they're speaking very highly of one another okay cool so pentangeli's the guy who we're supposed to be mad at and then you don't realize until later that's not exactly not exactly the case at all there was a quote in here that i really enjoyed that where uh hyman roth goes up he dismisses the idea of uh killing Pentangeli like there's there's bigger fish to fry he goes Pentangeli is small potatoes and I was like looking back on that line now I'm going ah he's kind of being like you don't need to worry about that you know like mm-hmm. small potatoes but, small potatoes very potatoes. interesting is that usually that he's small is that yeah, usually small potatoes I feel like it was a different small yeah huh I don't know that just sounds weird well I think it's like right. it's like it's either small, small potatoes or bigger fish to fry I so think I'm I, just I think mixing kind of go hand yeah. in hand I so think, it's kind of like yeah that's right small I, I I've never heard small potatoes before though um, oh interesting interesting uh the a lot of these a lot of the rest of my notes are just quotes mm. I mean, um it, in my home in my bedroom where my wife sleeps? Oh, I was like, fuck yeah. That was outstanding. 
he still actually cares, you know, like even though he's getting a little angrier at his wife and a little more distant, like it's, it's the family thing. It's the basic respect thing. And and, and in the mafia and all these mob movies, it's always the line. You do not fuck with the mob wives. That's just not something you do. If you're going to go, fuck with somebody you go fuck with the guy you have beef with you do not fuck with his family that's just not right mm-hmm. yeah like uh, in the and... sopranos with carmen uh oh my god how am i forgetting the guy from sicily um oh furio furio oh my god yeah like and someone tells him like you're what that's that's the don's wife like no like no way you know like it's yeah, that you. This is the line you don't cross. That's for sure. Like, if it's blood, especially a wife, like too. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a massive, massive disrespect. And uh, because at that point, it's not business, mm-hmm. which perfect. is what they're all about. It's like mm-hmm. the things we do. It's strictly business. At the point of you killing my wife, that is personal. You know, like. That's that's where thing and obviously it's not just business. There's so much stuff <laughs> that happens in the mafia that's obviously personal that they figure out a way to write around make it make it about business. But uh Yeah, I I really I really loved there's just so many great, great quotes in this movie. Another one I have here is Michael Corleone says hello. And then he uh puts the wire around Pentangeli's neck and polls uh which also very interesting because that means hyman roth told his men to go kill pentangeli but say that michael corleone says hello Mm. Hmm. i got it i think that's where that i think that's where that was like i'm hoping i'm i don't have the context i just have no i think yeah i think that's it's it's when they go and try to kill Pentangeli, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty. I'm, so I'm like ninety percent again. On I'm confused again in on this. Then was he? Fuck. <laughs> now I'm confused. Who attempted the assassination on Pentangeli? Was it that Hyman Roth lied lied to Pentangeli? What what is the purpose of saying Michael Corleone says hello if you intend on murdering this man? Yeah. There's. So was Corleone bluffing whenever he goes, so it was you or whatever. Like I guess like whenever they're about to kill someone. Like there's no real point to telling anything to a dead man. Like a guy you're going to kill. There's no real point. But like in yeah. The Sopranos, like every time they kill someone, like they say their name, you like, hey, your name. And then, wow, you know, you like a. Uh, I don't know. Now I'm now I'm confused kind of again. Uh Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm going to go back to what I was thinking before and just kind of eliminate that whole thing from my mind. Um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh the next the next quote I have uh which is a a great scene. They're in Cuba. It's uh on the roof the, on the roof of that building. They're literally cutting up cakes. Everyone's getting cutting up a cake everyone's getting a piece you know it's like it couldn't be a more on the nose metaphor for what's going on here they're like we're we are dividing up this country 
taking the profits as we see fit. And, you know, uh, this is all all predicated on the idea that the revolution fails and that they will continue to reign, have their president in power, continue this corrupt regime, all about the money and getting to the highest places and pushing down the poor man. Mm-hmm. And I love the line that Michael Corleone throws out where he goes, he's the only one who sees the potential of this revolution. He goes, everyone's like, hey, all right, dope, Hyman Roth, yeah, woo! And then he goes, well, soldiers get paid to fight. Rebels don't. They're like, your point? They could win. Uh, like, like he, that dude, he, yeah, like, he sees exactly what motivates people. And like, while money is a big motivator, if they are fighting against that money, it's so much bigger than, you know, like he's one of my favorite moments in the movie was the soldiers get paid. Rebels aren't like, uh, was just like a, a good Michael moment too. Like, uh, him realizing that, you know, him actually like him just realizing that at, at all, like, and not just staying blind and being like, Oh, these rebels, like, we just gotta, you know, just gotta like, put them out, push them out. Yeah, yeah like, like be okay. But it's he's, he's a savvy businessman because, like, he recognizes that if the revolution wins out and they give Hyman Roth two million dollars or whatever, like, however much money was in that briefcase, I think it was two mil. I think, uh, then they lose two million dollars. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's they. There's nothing to gain. There's no investment. We lose at that point. Uh. And, you know, as the whole revolution unfolds and they, that's that's also where he realizes Fredo uh, did the deed mm-hmm. uh, was was the problem. And I love I love that. That was my next quote where he goes or he kisses him and he goes, I knew it was you, Freddy. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. I was like, Fuck. This is so good. Mm. Like, there are just so many quotes that are just like, and moments that are just like, I will remember this forever. Like, there are just a few lines and moments in these movies that are like, I won't forget that moment in this movie. Like, I guarantee it. And uh, that was, that was big time. Big time. That's probably the biggest one. Like, whenever he kisses him on the, on the mouth and goes. Kind of the climax of the movie. Like, uh. It's that's the driving where, force. It's that's like where it is, everything goes falls into place. Yeah, like, yeah, that was a I don't know him just being nervous the whole time he's there, and then hearing that from Michael sent him into like, oh shit, you know he he's already scared. Now it's like, yeah. I gotta what do go. I even do? Yeah, like I gotta go. And oh man, that that was maybe. Maybe that's my favorite part of the movie, actually, now that I think about it. Because, like, hmm, it is kind of hard to pull a favorite part out of this movie. Especially so in a much 200-minute yeah. movie. Like, it's it's practically impossible to pick a favorite part. Uh, man, but, like, it, it, going along with that line of thought, like, a favorite part. It's when he's trailing Finucci. When Vito is trailing Finucci on top of the buildings, walking along with him as the parade ensues, and he enters the building, and he he kills Finucci. Uh, 
And you know, there's a line in uh, in a trailer recently that I felt was like, this scene feels like it could be a direction for the book of Boba Fett. Uh, Finucci bullied this neighborhood. Like, was terrible to the people in it. It was clear that Vito Corleone is an anti-hero in this situation. It's like, he's doing the dirty deed that saves the neighborhood, mm-hmm. kind of. Like, now it goes through me, and everyone will be the better off for it. Like, I will be a benevolent uh, ruler. And by that I mean, you know, Finucci ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Did he say that? Boba says the Boba says that oh, okay. in the trailer. Okay. Jabba, Jabba ruled with fear. I didn't know I if uh, Vito respect. said that, um, and I missed it because I would hate no. to have missed that line. Um, no, no, okay. but like that's that's the vibe though. Is that like it's clear that Finucci was ruling through fear, mm-hmm. and that Vito intends on ruling with respect. Like that's that's kind of the whole the whole idea here. And him uh, after the deed's done, up on the roof, breaking apart the gun, putting him in different pipes and chimneys. Mm-hmm. Like I don't that. Now that I think about it, like honestly, the veto parts of the movie like are my favorite. Oh yeah, it's like, it's, I, it's the more it's the better storyline for my money. I mean, not the better storyline, but the more enjoyable to watch. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like the rise to power is more fun to watch than the devolution into being a piece of shit. Like it just is. Uh, him unscrewing the light bulb, putting mm-hmm. you know the the the, the towel, towel whatever yet around the gun catches and the gun, on fire. <laughs> Catches on fire. I'm like, oh my god, this is perfect. This is just a great scene, and I love the fact that Finucci like turns around there, even with him holding a gun wrapped up in a towel, and the light being out, suspicious circumstances and stuff, and is still not threatened. He's not worried, which makes it all the sweeter when he goes ahead and shoots him right through the heart. uh, First shot. I'd like to uh, I'd like to call into uh, attention a couple parallels in a different show. First time I'll be bringing up a different show besides The Sopranos uh, in this conversation, and that's Breaking Bad. Mm. Uh, that shot on his face, straight through his cheek. There was another per- there, like somebody in Breaking Bad gets shot straight through the cheek in the exact same spot that Finucci could. It almost certainly had to be an homage. Like, That's it awesome. had to have. And uh, there's another scene, an- another one of my favorites, where, uh, you know, Vito goes goes back to Italy, and he goes and visits Don Ciccio, who killed his dad and killed his brother and killed his mom, and he murders him. He goes back to that land, stabs him in the chest... <laughs> slices it all the way through and gets his revenge ultimately gets gets what he's been wanting for years and uh i'm i'm gonna go ahead and draw another parallel to breaking bad with gus fring going back to mexico and killing all those motherfuckers like that's that was more of like that's like in terms of story, like that, that mm. was a clear parallel that like it was wow. obviously an homage to The Godfather Part Two in Breaking Bad. Uh, like even like the setting, the way it's like lit and the way it looks like it's like they couldn't be more clearly going for this feel. I feel like I've seen someone unscrew the light out of someone's apartment door 
and like kill them right. Th- I feel like I've seen that exact scene play out before, and I can't I think I have put too, my but finger I can't place on it. it. I can't yeah, place like, it either. I know. I feel like I know what you're talking about. The unscrewing of the light bulb, though. Whenever that, whenever Vito did that, I'm like, this feels familiar. Yeah, like I've seen that. So I can't. It's gonna come to me like randomly, like two in the morning. I'm gonna be like, oh, but oh shit. But uh, <laughs> just shows how much influence that these movies have, like in Breaking Bad, like to Breaking Bad. Like I, I would have never, you know, put the two and two together. I guess yeah, it is a crime shit. Yeah, but uh, whenever I'm thinking of influence of Godfather, I'm thinking other mob movies too. Like yeah, uh, you're not thinking, you're not thinking of like I, it's a different type of organized crime. But mm-hmm. it, you're not thinking of Walter White. <laughs> that's that's really what it's about. Um, but yeah, that that was another. That was definitely one of my favorite parts of the movie. Is just Vito, Vito's rise, Vito's rise to power is like far and away the uh, the most compelling part of this movie for me. Not the most compelling, but the most enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I do think it's interesting that they're just kind of like. Uh, Okay, he was nine. Now he is twenty-seven. <laughs> uh, we're gonna skip a very important part of his life. Uh, and I'm okay with it. Obviously, I'm. I'm just gonna go ha- have to assume that nothing too impactful on the organized crime side of things happened. Uh, because I mean, you get his introduction when he's in his late twenties. Before that, he's just a family man, and I think that's important. That for several years he had to, f- and like we mentioned this. With why Michael Corleone would be a good boss is because he grew up and had a life outside of the mob and did his own thing and then was introduced to it. Mm. Uh, and that's why they made for such good bosses. Mm. Uh, because they they were not brought up strictly in the mob life. That's true. Now, I guess the difference now, between them, though, would be... Vito came from absolutely nothing, you know, and he was dirt poor, had to make everything on his own. I think that's why he doesn't really let the power corrupt him as much as Michael does. Because Michael, like, his childhood was a lot better than Vito's childhood, that's for sure. Certainly. Um, You know, he did go off fighting in the war and everything, but... That scene was really interesting, too. Mm. And Because that's like the... that's. The end of the movie. It's the very end, yeah. It's the way they end it is Michael reflecting on that moment specifically. And I I am curious what – why? Like, yeah. why is this the note we end the movie on? Him remembering him telling Sonny and Tom and Fredo about him going to – fight in the war and enlisting and being a Marine. Maybe if he would have never done that, he would have never became a boss. And that's, he would have never became what he did. Um, I I think like the military gave him a lot of strategic and like uh, just insights I, on I, that would help him. And also a desensitization to violence. Exactly. Like uh, I think if he would have stayed, because Whenever Vito shows up, like, there, everyone leaves to go see him but Michael. You know, so... True. Maybe he's thinking, like, if I didn't go off and fight in the war, I would have gotten in this way earlier. I wouldn't have had the knowledge I would have had. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to just think of anything, like... 
Well, I am too, and I'm trying to think like there's got to be something there with the Fredo of it all, because that's really what he's reflecting on is the fact that Fredo has just been killed. Fredo's the only one that accepts. Fredo's the only one who goes. That's definitely it. Who goes? Good for you, man. Congratulations. Like he's the only one who really cared personally beyond the family, like beyond the mobs, mm. mob side of it. Cause Sonny was like, what the fuck? And Tommy's like, your dad's got plans for you. And, and he's like, yeah, he's got plans for me. Like I've got plans of my own. And you know, you come back from the war, your brother dies. Vito's in a, in a bad way. He's been shot several times. They need a Corleone at the helm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I didn't even think of Frito like being the only one that was like, you know what, good on you, man. Like he was the only one. Yeah, yeah. like that's definitely yeah, I, I was thinking Yeah, I don't even like cause the ending, like I didn't really think of why it was there. I just kind of like, oh that's a cool like a uh, little background information to to know. Well, and like, see, that's the thing is that that's really what happened to me, too, is that I didn't truly reflect on it until just now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just kind of like, that was a really interesting place to end the movie because it, it fades from that memory to Michael Corleone sitting alone in the dimly lit office. And then it just fades to black. And you're like, OK. And there's a there's a few weird, abrupt cuts there. Where we also see a fade to what I think is Vito on a train with a small child, which mm. I'm assuming is Michael, and then a fade to Michael, and then that's what that's really the end. He's realizing that the people who actually care for him, he's getting rid of them. Like, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of if anyone else that actually cared for him, like. I mean, Kay did at one point. She she expressly states, That's like, true. at this moment in time, I feel zero love for you, and I did not think that would ever happen. Maybe that's what he's, like, truly reflecting on, is that through he's this alone. life, he thinks that the people who care for him, you know, like, his captains and everyone around him, like, he thinks they actually care for him, but they really don't. Um, Just going off the scene of of him wanting to go to war and then immediately saying like, what? Um, he realizes Frito's the only one who actually like loves him as a brother, like a legit brother, you know, like, uh, cause not as a business prospect. Yeah. And he's realizing that this life has caught, even though he wanted to build a better family and make it be about family, he's losing the ones that actually care about him through this process. And, exactly, uh, like this business, this business they have. They say it's it's about business. It's not personal. And when you think like that for so long, everything becomes business and you lose sight of the personal. Mm. And I think that's that's really what happened here. You know, uh, and I think it happens. It, it happens to all of our all of our protagonists in mob movies. uh for the most part, like it certainly happens to Henry Hill. It certainly, and like, uh, you, you, you know this already, but you don't even know the half of it. It happens to Tony Soprano. Like, it's like, it, it happens to all of them. Like, it's just, it's just, it's something that comes with the job. Mm-hmm. It seems like, yeah, it's. Uh, they're not going to portray a mob boss as like sunshine and rainbows. You know, like 
Mm-hmm. You just can't like it, it never happens. There's like there's probably never been a mob boss that actually like lived the way they wanted to live and like had everything perfect for him, you know? Like just doesn't happen. Like in that line of work. Doesn't happen to anybody. Yeah. You know, like that's yeah. that's that's the other thing is that like you could argue that this line of work it lends itself to the idealism of something becoming perfect. Uh, and that's that's a theme that you see in all these mob movies too is the American dream. Is like they all think like we work hard enough, we are loyal enough, we stick together, we'll make money and everything will work out. Mm. And what they fail to realize is that at some point there's there's a balance. It's not all about it's not all about making the money. Like part of the American dream is love. You know, like having people that care about you and a family around you, mm. you know, like that's that's a part of it. Like Vito, he lived as the closest to the American dream. Like, as good as it can possibly. Yeah, be. like he had he had it made like a, a long, full life with children and grandchildren. Obviously, the path he chose did damn those children. That's true. So it's like, but he wanted them to be out of it. Like, what do you really do? Like, either you don't have children, so that never becomes a problem, or you have children and you try to do everything you can to not let them enter this life. And he tried that with Michael. You know, he had big plans for him. Governor Corleone, Senator Corleone. It's inevitable. Inevitable. Somehow Shit, tying man. it back to Avengers, Avengers again. <laughs> Look at that. Um, uh, I'm gonna go through these last little, uh, these last few notes I have because it's mostly just, uh, it's mostly just quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a scene here. It says, uh, "That is why Brazzi is afraid of Don Vito." Uh, and I can't remember exactly what scene I put that with, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume it's the one where he uh, where he takes out Finucci. Um, the scene that follows that too, where he goes to the uh, like later on in the movie, where he goes to the landlord of the woman who's like, they kicked me out because I wouldn't get rid of my pet. Now they won't let me back in, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like damn lady I'm sorry it sounds like they gave you all the warning in the world I can't really do much about this uh, and she's like please please and he he ultimately is like alright fine I'll try and he goes and talks to him and the guy doesn't realize who he is and stuff and just kind of like blows him off and stuff and then he comes and visit him, visits him later he's like oh shit I'm really so sorry uh, so I didn't realize who you were this was a big misunderstanding she can live there in fact I'll, I'll lower her rent uh, it can be 50, bu- 50 bucks a month. And he's like, $10, $10 a month. That's all. That's all. It can, that's all it has to be. And that, that and clears like, up so much because not having English for that part. I really couldn't tell what was going like. Oh, I feel you. Yeah. I like you. Uh, the lady. I'm like, who like, who is this? Like what? Like, I just assumed just she a friend, had a problem a friend that was coming. Mama Corleone. Yeah. Who uh, got kicked out of her apartment. Uh, they told her to stay out. He had to go visit and so on and so forth. And mm-hmm. uh, th- that shit where he's trying to leave and cannot leave and is just panicking. 
and they're sitting there like, <laughs> look at this fucking guy. He walks uh, over, it, opens the door for him, like, effortlessly. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. even no, the painter, it, even the guy that's painting on the outside is looking at him like, really, dude? Like, Yeah, really? dude, <laughs> it's like, the, and this is where it go. It becomes like, it became clear to me, like, while Fanucci ruled with fear and Vito intends to rule with respect, sometimes with respect comes fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's plenty of fear around Don Vito Corleone. And I think it's because, as we see with Michael, he's willing to do what needs to be done. He's willing uh, to make offers that... Oh, and he... Uh... We got dropped that line. Uh huh. Yeah, that was uh that was nice to hear. Well, um, and what was interesting too is because that was with uh that was with Finucci. That's how we got into the game. He was like, you know, give me your money. I'm gonna give him. And I like that he said, I'm gonna give both of you. Give me fifty bucks. Uh, instead of two hundred, we'll give him a hundred fifty. And then he gets there and he puts it. He puts it there. And then uh, Finucci goes, "There's a hundred dollars under my hat." And I was like. This smooth motherfucker, not only is he trying to short uh, Fanucci, but he also tricked the other dudes into into giving up all the money, mm-hmm. uh, which is just hilarious. <laughs> uh, and he's like, I'm going to give him an offer he can't refuse. And at the time, that meant his services, uh, essentially. You know uh, what I'm saying? That's, yeah. Uh, which is really, really interesting, just the way that it's like, I'm going to give him an offer he can't refuse. I'm a I am a perfect fit for this work. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a I'm a do this shit. Uh he did it I mean about as well as anybody possibly can. Like for the first was this the first guy he killed or did did no yeah, because he goes to Italy after he kills Finucci, right? Or is that before? It's after. Yeah, he goes back to Italy after he's already killed Fanucci yeah, because so he's had he had to rise to a place of prominence, and he he only did that after. So Fanucci's the first guy he kills ever, right? Like for being his first kill is the Don for yeah. being the first kill and how like calculated he was through every every part of it. Like uh, it just it mirrors like Michael killing the the cop and what's his uh, name Salazzo. Yeah, like when with the gun taped up on the toilet Vito has his you know around around the building he grabs it goes do the deed uh, I guess we don't really see Michael having to get rid of the gun just because he walks out of the restaurant or whatever but uh, like they told him to drop it immediately yeah. like shoot him and drop it um but I don't know it was just very calculated like this I just loved I don't know I love the Vito parts I just so enjoyable um, even though I couldn't understand a word of what was going on. Like, maybe that's what made it so enjoyable is I had to, like, figure out what was going you were, on. You were and basically I was, like, watching a silent movie. Yeah, it was uh, – and I still loved it. It was my, like, just the most enjo- most enjoyable, yeah, like. No, that was the most enjoyable. Uh, but I will say, with the Michael Corleone side of this story, I do think that that side of it was critically better. Uh, it was much more thorough and complicated. Meanwhile, the veto, there's this, uh, there's this, uh, Peter Griffin quote <laughs> about the Godfather that I'm going to find right now because it is absolutely perfect for what, how I feel about, uh, the veto storyline. Because mm-hmm. while I do love it, uh, Peter Griffin, 
says that he did not care for the Godfather. <laughs> uh, let me let me read this whole whole series of quotes here. Hmm. Peter says, "But since we're all going to die, there's one more secret. I feel I ha- there's one more secret. I feel I have to share with you. I did not care for the Godfather. <laughs> what? Did not care for the Godfather? How can you even say that, Dad? I didn't like it." Peter, it's so good. It's like the perfect movie. That is what everyone always says. Whenever they say, and then like someone goes, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. I mean, you never see Robert Duvall. He goes, fine, fine, fine actor. Did not like the movie. Why not? I did not. Couldn't get into it. (laughs) He goes, it insists upon itself. It insists upon itself, Lois. And that's really where I was trying to get is it insists upon itself. Hmm. Uh, I do feel like the Vito storyline is a little self-relating. Like, it's like, it's kind of like, all right, we know y'all want Don Vito Corleone. We're going to figure out a way to get it to you. Uh, Regardless, though, it was the most enjoyable side of the movie. It insists upon itself, Lois. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, my, I asked my mom, uh, every movie that I've watched so far, I asked my parents, like, how they enjoyed the movie or, like, how they, yeah. how they liked it. And my, my mom, she said she didn't really care for the Godfather movies. Like, uh, I mean, also there's, there's like any time anything mob related has came up in any discussion with my parents or any of my family, it's always been shut down very quickly. And I'm curious, like if my mom actually likes this movie, but is just saying that she doesn't, um, but I don't know. There is, there is, there are varying factors into like the enjoyment of these movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, a, you almost certainly have to be at least slightly interested in the whole mafia side of storytelling. Um, B, you have to be willing to sit through a long fucking movie. A lot of people don't like sitting through long movies, and that's as far as it goes. You know what I'm saying? That's like, true. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess, yeah, like a normal, average, like, moviegoer, like, people who aren't, like, franchise movie, you know, like, deep into Marvel or deep into anything, like, they'll just see a trailer and be like, Oh, that looks really interesting. And then like, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Like, uh, if a, a movie's too long, they'll be like, Oh, like it's just thrown out, you know, like, like, uh, Oh, this movie is over two hours. I won't be watching. Yeah. Like I don't want to sit in a theater for that long or like, I don't want to just have to take a three hour and 20 minute chunk out of my day to, to watch Godfather part two. But uh, I'm glad I did one eighth of your day. Like that's, I'm glad I did though. Um, uh, oh, I couldn't. I I couldn't have enjoyed it more. I mean, I mean, I could have. I could have enjoyed it as much as Godfather One. Uh, but that's really all I had to say about this film. Uh, and this is. I think this is far and away our longest episode yet. However, I still don't think we we touched on everything by any means. There's a lot more in this. It's movie. a three hour and twenty two minute movie. Uh, so we did our best, especially. After one viewing, mm-hmm. both of us have seen this movie once, and it's three hours and twenty two minutes. So I think all we hit all the high points, points, though. We did. We hit. We hit about what we needed to. And if we missed anything, hey, sorry. <laughs> uh, it insists upon itself, Lois. Uh, but let's get to the rating section of the pod. Mm, uh, this is this is the, this is the fun part. So we've we've got this. We've got our rating system set up. The genre of film. We're gonna we're gonna classify this in the mafia drama uh, genre. You got just as a film critically out of five stars. Where are you putting it? 
And then we've got, in terms of how much you enjoyed it on a scale of five stars, how are we feeling about it? Now, in that mafia movie category, that's a five out of five movie. Uh, and it, it made me reflect on the first one and go, maybe the first one's a 4.9. Because cause the, cause this one really gets into the mob side of things. Like, re- and I, will, I won't change my... It's a five out of five on the last one too, but uh, they, they, I they see what you're saying though. Like, they definitely dive even deeper into the mob business side of things in this movie than they did in the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the drama is uh, a little more palpable. There's a personal betrayal within the family. Uh, he has to kill his brother. Like that's that's some intense stuff. You know, that's some real shit. And. Uh, so yeah, it just it fits that the the genre perfectly. Five out of five, five. right there with you. Um, and I'm kind of there. Like the first one, it, I don't think it deserves to be dropped down at all. Um, no, but no, not this at all. as a mob movie, it I could say as a mob movie, this one was better than the first. Like uh, just strictly thinking about the mob, just what happened with mob business in this movie. Um, yeah, but. Now going on to how I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I enjoyed it less than the first one. And, Not a ton less, but less, and, to be sure. And like this rating is only subject to change. Like it can only go up uh, as I like True. enjoy this movie. I don't think I'll watch it oh, a it'll second never time go and be like, oh, I hate this movie even more now. Um, no, yeah. You'll, you'll only gain a appreciation for it the more you watch it, which is important. And I hadn't considered that factor into how I enjoy a movie that is that is interesting because like I do think that this is only one that can get better we gave Godfather a five in enjoyment the first one yeah because um, it was a five in enjoyment I stand by that this one I'm not at a five um, not quite but it's close I'd, I'd say like 4.75 ish uh, that's where I was I was going to say I was going to say 4.75 I'm uh, after after we go through this, I'm interested to hear the numbers of the other movies and the way that we're going to do this from now on, too, by the way. This is like one section, 70 through 74. What we covered in January is mm. like we'll reference it in January. Next starting next month, it's like a new slate, like new like a new set of movies. We talk about them in context with each other and we go on to March and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's. That that's just a logistics thing for for later on, but I just wanted to make I just wanted to clear it up real quick. Like uh, next next week, whenever we're covering nineteen eighty or nineteen seventy five's Jaws, uh, you probably won't hear a lot of uh, comparing it to the Godfather Part Two. Uh, <laughs> just uh, not something you're probably going to see a lot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe I mean you know wherever wherever you can make connections, you make those connections. It'll happen. But um, I think. I think a four point seven five is fair um, for the enjoyment aspect. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a. It could be a little lower, maybe, um, but I'm kind of giving like I was thinking maybe four point five even, but I'm like I bumped it up a little just because there are parts of the movie that like I just don't fully understand yet. Um, gotcha, gotcha. No, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think four point seven five is is solid for my enjoyment of this film. And. uh the only one left is as a film. And I think this one is the hardest rating to think of um, just it is. in general for every movie. 
Um, and this, I absolutely agree. What we give the Godfather? Four point seven five. No, that was American Graffiti. We gave no. Yeah, no, that was Godfather. Never mind. Four point seven five. Okay. All right. As a film, we gave it a four. We gave Godfather a four point seven five. I'm. Hmm. This is tough. This is tough. Because what this is saying to me is that The Godfather probably should have been like a 4.8 or (laughs) 4.9. And then uh, this should be a 4.75. You know, uh, that's that is where I'm at reflecting on this, Uh, which is interesting because and it is important. The second movie can enhance the first Mm -hmm. like that's and I think that happened. Uh, I think maybe while we're in the month. You know, like the, if we're breaking these down into like rating by month, like we're at the end of this, you know, this month. So if we do want to make any changes, like this would be the time to do it. That's you true. Know, to like, That's true. let's let's finish these. Let's, let's mm-hmm. finish the Godfather two like ratings first, and then we'll go through. We'll recap the month real quick, and we'll be like, mm-hmm. is there anything we feel needs to be uh, uh, changed here? I, the number I'm like hovering, like is around like a 4.75 again as a film. Um I'm hovering around that range uh and but like the only thing that's stopping me is like uh the only other 4.75 we've given is to the first Godfather. And I do think that the first Godfather's a better movie. Yeah. So like so I'm think I'm thinking we go 4.75 here and then we just go ahead and bump that thing up on the Godfather up 0.5 and make it a 4.8. Cause let's be real. I don't, I don't think I'm in a place where I can say confidently critically. It is tons better. Like it is, it is barely better. You know what I'm saying? Like it is, it is barely a better movie to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I fully agree there. Like, uh, okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. And now that we have all the ratings, the average of this movie is a 4.83. I think that just, that sounds about right. You know, it's it wasn't wasn't the Godfather four point nine two or something like that. It was well before when we had a four point seven five in. It was a four point nine two, but now with a four point eight, four point nine three. So just give that little bump, just that uh, little boost. Yeah, uh, uh, it is. It is point one better than better than the Godfather part two. I make that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. So what's that? What's that make the? It was four point eight three. That's the overall here on the Godfather point uh, part two is a uh, four point eight three out of five stars mm-hmm. is ultimately where we're landing. And now, uh, since that concludes the month of January here, we've gone nineteen seventy with Mash seventy one with A Clockwork Orange seventy two with The Godfather seventy three with American Graffiti and seventy four with The Godfather part two. Let's hear. The overall ratings for each of those. I'm interested. We have MASH at a 2.67 out of 5. That makes sense in the context here. Mm-hmm. A Clockwork Orange gets to 4.42. So okay. lower than both Godfather movies, but a, a bump above MASH. So it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Godfather Part 1, 4.93. <sighs> That's going to be a tough one to beat. Yeah. I don't know of any other, like, I'm so excited. 
as we get deeper and deeper into this list, if there is anything even even close to touching that, and there will be, but like I don't like, will anything beat it? I don't know. The only thing that really could is if it's a five out of five in every category. Like, in every category. I don't know. I don't want to say that there's a movie that's like that, like coming up. There could be though. Like uh, there could be. We could feel that way about something. We could one day. But moving on, American Graffiti got a four point two five. So it's a little lower than a clockwork orange. Um so yeah, like our the rankings, it goes the lowest is MASH, the next lowest is American Graffiti, but like the jump from MASH to American Graffiti is like big. So like fat, yeah. Um four point two five for American Graffiti. Um then it goes to uh, Clockwork, Clockwork Orange. Orange, then Godfather Part Two, then back to Part One is how Man. it ranks so far. Um, so that's 74, 72, 71, 73, 70. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I'm really, I'm really comfortable with that. And, uh, it was interesting. I don't know what I was expecting in the American Graffiti one. I don't know that it was 4.25 though. Uh, but like I, I I reflect on that movie really highly, you know. Like, uh, it was a very good coming of age story. It was we gave it a five we, as as the genre, which makes perfect it, it, sense. It is in enjoyment. We gave it a four, um, and as a film, we gave it a three point seven five. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. That that sounds that all sounds good to me. Uh, so I stand by that. Mm, um, I think. Uh... I think these ratings make sense. I was I was very curious to like compare them with other movies, and I think now that we have five, it's like a good sample size to compare with. And I think I think we're pretty spot on. Uh, I think we are too. I think we are too. I but guess yeah, February man. we only have four though. So will you? Yeah, we only have four. So, we only have four films to. I, I think that pretty much every month from now on we'll only have four. March. On uh, April, we'll get five. March has four. April has five. May yeah, April, four. July, yeah, and December. We'll all have five. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. and September. Hmm. April, July, September, and December. That's uh, I like the I like this rating system we have. Uh, I think it just works well too. for for like every movie. It ultimately um, rounds out really well, which is what's really important to me is that like hearing those numbers compared to each other, 4.93, 4.83, 4. 4.42 for Clockwork Orange and then 4.25 gotcha. for American Graffiti. No, yeah, that all sounds really on, on point for me. Uh, and it, it is interesting how big of a difference there is to me between a 4.25 and a 4.9 even though it is only really separated by 0.7 which is just a which is just a wild little it's a wild jump but it's important you mm-hmm. know it's the difference it's the difference between an 8 out of 10 and a 9 out of 10 that's true uh yeah this uh i don't know i feel i feel good about it though i was oh i do too yeah. i feel really good about it so let's uh let's give let's give the people a little preview for what's to come here in uh in the next month starting with next week uh, which will be February fourth. Will be the first uh, first one of uh, 
February, and we'll be covering 1975's Jaws. And I'm not going to lie to you, buddy. Mm-hmm. This might be, this is going to be a strong month that we're about to hit here with uh, 75's Jaws, 76's Taxi Driver, 77's Star Wars, and then 78's, as of right now, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Uh, and I'm pretty sure these are these are pretty much set in stone. We've gone over this a couple times. This is what we're going to be covering in February every Friday. Uh, again, that is Jaws, Taxi Driver, Star Wars, and the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. I cannot wait because this has just been a fucking joy so far. I feel like uh, it can only get better. Like It uh, really can. We're only going to expand our movie knowledge more and knowledge of the culture during these times, which is like really what I think I'm, I'm taking out of this the most is like, we're really getting like what the time was like, like during these movies when they came out. And I'm just, I'm becoming a more well-rounded movie watcher doing yeah. this. It's, the mo- it's so much fun. Yeah. Like whenever you, and there are people on Twitter who I follow, like on the Penny Bloom pod where I'm like, like they're star Wars fans and they're Marvel fans. But they have such an expansive knowledge of film beyond it that I've like, and for for months there, I envied it. Like mm-hmm. I was like, like I wish I could just be like, yeah, but you know, Hitchcock compared to Coppola, you know, I don't really like, <laughs> you know, shit like that. Like I, I I was not one to be able to even kind of speak on that sort of thing mm-hmm. without sounding a little bit dumb. Uh, and I feel like come the end of the come the end of these fifty two weeks here over the course of this year. We will be more well-rounded movie watchers. I think that's uh, I think that's certain to say. Have our uh, coming-of-age movie um, watching year basically. Yeah. This is a yeah. whole coming-of-age yeah, um, year. Um, but yeah, crazy that we won't even make it out of the seventies until like March. Wow. Yeah. Nineteen eighties, March eleventh is whenever that like so. Second week of March is when we get into the 80s. So, man, it's going to be a while before we get there, but when we get there, it'll be joyful because the 80s is a special era in film uh, for my money. Uh, it's one of the classics. I mean, there's a reason John Bellion was singing about 80s films. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't 70s films, it wasn't 90s films. It's just like the 80s films. Yeah, looking oh, at these uh, 80s movies, they're. Uh... We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna have yeah. some fun over the course of uh over the course of the next year. Uh but yeah, shit, man. If uh if you would, head to patreon.com slash corobloom, where you'll find well, well over twenty hours of content at this point. Uh exclusive content to Patreon, not available anywhere else. We've also got a um got a bunch of artwork that I put up over there, exclusive to there, nowhere else. If you would go follow uh, at Penny Bloom Pod on Twitter and follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Uh, it's on Twitter and sometimes Instagram. Where if we do decide to change a movie, like what we're going to be covering week to week, you'll find it on Twitter. That's that's definitely where you'll be able to be notified of what we're about to be on. Uh, so if you can, if you could, go ahead and follow on Twitter. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, that's what grows the show. Like if we can get as many rating and reviews as possible, that's what, that is the metric that makes the show grow. Uh, 
like to get on like a new and noteworthy page or like an entertainment collection page, like ratings and reviews. And we've been a podcast for a couple of years and we have like 20. Mm. So like it takes, it takes a following. And frankly, it takes some thought too, because like I listen to a lot of podcasts. I ain't gonna lie to you. I've never left a rate and review. And I know how much those mean. So, like, mm. I understand that y'all don't want to go take the time to leave a rate and review. I fucking get it. I've been there. Uh, but I can't express enough how much it really means uh, to to see a good rating and review. If you have a bad rating or review, please fuck off. Don't say anything. <laughs> That'd be huge, too. Um, uh, if you have a bad rating or review and you're still here, you must just hate yourself, man. I'm sorry. I, I hate to break it to you. Uh, but we're about, we're almost two hours into this podcast, so uh, <laughs> I think you've got a personal problem going on if you if you're not liking it and are still here. Um, but yeah, shit, man. I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, buddy. Thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure. Oh, oh of course, buddy. And I cannot wait for what the future holds with this project. So I shall say, peace, love, and bloom. And in my home, in my bedroom where my wife sleeps. Ah, beautiful. <laughs>